0: In Havana, I took a little risk, send lawyers, guns, and money, Dad, get me out of this. Ha! Welcome, everybody, to episode 64 of the Matt Jones Podcast, the occasionally we do it Matt Jones Podcast. The last one was on my birthday on August 28th. And the goal was to do one every week. It is now October 5th. So you can see how successful I was at that. But we're going to do one now. I won't promise you when the next one is. Maybe it'll be next week. Maybe it'll be December. But we'll try because a lot of people listen to these and seem to like it. And I know you're going to like this person. I've wanted to have him on for a long time. I think he is one of and I'm not just saying this because you're here. <laughs> I think you're one of the more fascinating people I know. Because of a variety of reasons that we'll get into. This is Ricky Jones. Ricky is a professor at the University of Louisville. Teaches what? What do you teach? I'm a political American? scientist. Political
1: I and I chair the Pan-African Studies Department.
0: So, but, so, what, so like, what, what's your
1: class schedule? What do you teach this semester? This semester I'm teaching a course called Political Violence and Resistance. Okay.
0: So here's the thing I want to say to the listeners out here about Ricky. If The reason you like this podcast is you like hearing from interesting people. Ricky is an interesting person. You're going some of you are going to disagree with some of it, but here's the thing about Ricky: he's very thoughtful and intelligent on what he says. So stick with it. I guarantee you, he will say some things you agree with. So I
1: love you, man, because you're, you're biased, dude. You're biased towards me, and I love that. Well, that's, the other that's, thing that's is a friend for you. Everyone
0: bro. listening to this is going to agree with some of what you say and disagree with other parts. That's what's great about you. Of course, like you and I progressive-slash-liberal people, Ricky, mm-hmm. there's this idea that we agree on everything. You and I have been
1: sitting in this room with each other screaming at each other before. Yeah. Am I right about yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, because we... I mean, some people would say that we're politically in the, in, the, in the same boat, but it would be very much akin to saying that anybody who is a Republican you it's know, is, is in the same ideological boat. They are not. Um, you know, me being an African-American guy from inner-city Atlanta, you being... Um, what are you? <laughs> <laughs> what are you? I'm taking you. Ricky. I don't want to stereotype you, man. Ta- Ricky, I'm but taking <laughs> you to Bell County with me sometimes. You ain't taking me to Bell County, man. Somebody <laughs> called me a, a name in yes, Louisville but, yesterday. But that was in I don't Louisville. know what they'll do to me. You Bell, would go to County. Bell County with me. I'd you? go
0: anywhere with you. You my man. All right. So let's. I want to talk about a few things. We're going to talk a little bit about Louisville. Okay. I want to talk to you. You mentioned political violence and protest. I want to talk about the sort of athlete protests we've seen. Okay. But I also then want to talk about just some other big picture stuff. But let's start with Louisville. You're a professor at L, and you have watched what's happened over the last couple of years. I'm going to make you say this on the air. Okay. About a year ago on the very first episode we did, mm-hmm. I said to
1: you, right.
0: I think you're admi- that, that school is run by scoundrels.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: you didn't want to agree with me on that.
1: Right, a year later,
0: do you think that was the case?
1: I mean, the way you pose the question, Matt, is is a bait question, which you know, which <laughs> is your one? Which, which is, which is, is my one? yeah, which is the way the way that you write. I I have to admit, at at this juncture, that unfortunately you were more right than wrong. Okay, you know, and does that make you sad to have seen it play out? Because you believed, I think it's fair to say, Ricky, you believed in
0: these guys at least somewhat. Is that fair to say?
1: Well, that's 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 very fair to say, and I and I want to be clear. And I don't want to come across like I'm splitting hairs here because I don't think the same level of responsibility should be attributed to everyone. Gotcha. In, in the situation, but now you are you are correct. Um, I do not know because you know he's certainly um, at, at at the forefront of the criticism right now. You know, that guy with the big swinging thing. <laughs> uh, I don't know Rick Patino very well. I met him a few times. So always seemed like a nice guy. But the former president of the university, Jim Ramsey, I knew for many years. And 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 he was very supportive of me, of mm-hmm. my department and initiatives for, for a very long time. I considered him a friend. I've known Tom Jurich <clears throat> for many, many years. Um, I think Tom came to the university one year after I came, and I've been at UofL for 21 years. And so when you have personal relationships Mm -hmm. with people like that for so long and and things happen, um, yeah, it's painful. Mm -hmm. I mean, because I I do consider Tom a friend. But there there are a lot of challenges at the school right now that unfortunately have uh, led me to feel like it it has problems at a level that I, I never thought it would.
0: Uh, before we get into the specifics, I want you to talk about y- your notion of, of the, not just at Louisville, but in general. I think you have a belief, you tell me if I'm right, that higher education has lost its way a little bit. Mm-hmm. Talk about that.
1: Well, I won't say higher education, period, has lost its way, but I will say the schools that we consider the, the Division One schools, uh, certainly that have thriving athletics programs and some that don't certainly have lost their way higher edu- education, institutions of higher education have a necessary business aspect to them. I mean, you know, a lot of money flows through these schools, but when they become businesses, then it's, 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 it's a problem. And what we're seeing now in Louisville, I think, is a great it's a glaring example mm-hmm. of, of this problem right now where, you know, from where I'm sitting and the people who are involved in the school right now, from the board of trustees on down, it is no longer an academic institution. What is it? It's the the academic part of the school is a front. For? For moneyed interests behind the scenes. Business people, politicians, people who are playing inside baseball and functioning behind the scenes. Here's what I mean. You look at, the school. When I was an assistant professor, when I was very young, very few people knew anything about the board of trustees. I didn't pay attention to it. I don't know who's on the Kentucky
0: right. board of trustees. I right. know like two people. You know, you as, know.
1: A student, as a student, as a because usually boards of trustees started back away, off, yeah. and accrediting agencies say that they should because Board of Trustees should not interfere with the academic mission of the school or the direction of the school overall. That's called political interference.
0: And the idea is, of course, that the Board of Trustees
1: kind of runs, quote, unquote, the business end. And the— the, the Well, the idea, really, though, no, because I, 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 I think that's a misrepresentation of okay. the Board. Boards boards of Trustees are supposed to make sure that the school is functioning with some level of integrity, Okay. compliance, you know, not just the financial end, but that the academic programs and the mission of the school is being met.
0: And most of the time, they're a mixture of some business people, some academic people, right. A student, a professor. Right. You know that, It's supposed to be a mix of the various interests of the, of His, the universe.
1: Historically, it, it, it would, I, for instance, I moonlight as a media guy, but I don't really know anything about it, right? I mean, I'm a professor. That's what I am by, by, by trade. It's almost like taking me and putting me on the board of directors of some media company, right? You know, the board of directors and, of CNN. Uh, 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 yeah, and, and, and everybody like me. The board of directors of CNN is all professors, okay? Now, we don't know anything about media, but we, we are now running CNN. Yeah. Ten professors. Would that make any sense to it you? It would not. Okay. That's what we have at the University of Louisville right now.
0: And And to be fair... That is starting to happen at a lot of schools. I'm, I'm, there, again, people, people are looking at the board of trustees like they're the CEOs of companies rather than an academic institution. Well,
1: it's because – and remember what I said at the top of this, because to have a conversation, to just come in and take the bat to the University of Louisville right now is short-sighted. It's myopic. You missed the point. I'm saying this is something that is bleeding throughout higher education, especially the schools that are handling a lot of money through athletics and other endeavors, right? And so when that type of money gets on the table, it opens the door to some really different interests and decisions start getting made that all of us, we really should question. And
0: isn't that what, I mean, from what I've seen at what happened at Louisville we focus mostly on the athletic side because it's sexy and we like the games. Right. But even on the university side, the foundation started having so much money. It started investing in people's pet projects. Yeah. It started, oh, I got this company. I want to, let's put this foundation money into this company of a business friend of mine. And all of a sudden, money's missing. Lots of money. Yeah. They always
1: say money is the root of all evil, but isn't that really the case? We're talking so much money that it corrupts. Here's a deeper question, though, Matt, beyond the money when you talk about a foundation board it, let's let's use louisville as an example since it's on the table a question for me is how do you get appointed to the foundation board i don't even how know. do you even get i know you don't know i don't know either how do you get on that board how do you get tapped how do you develop those types of connections where you can start making business deals where you got a university in kentucky you know invested in business interests out of state with people who are affiliated with folks who are on that board Right. So these these things become really, really crazy. And so if you let me give you an example on outside of academia, something that's happened
0: that I I don't know how I feel about. I know how you're going to feel, but I will freely acknowledge I go back and forth. There's this company. That claims that it's going to build a, a plant in Greenup County, Kentucky,
1: with they claim Thousands of jobs. At least 800. This, this among your people in the mountains? In the mountains. Okay. A place that desperately <laughs> needs it. I ain't mean, I, I knocking them. We're going to take a trip to the mountains. Yes, I've never a been A place it.
0: that desperately needs them. Okay. And there was a lot of excitement in Greenup County. It's close to Ashland.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Of, okay, maybe this area can finally have something after coal. The state of Kentucky, it turns out, has invested 20 to 50 percent of the investment in the company. I don't know of any state that's ever done that before. A state investing in a private company. Hmm. Do you think – what you're talking about with L? so people are very excited about the idea of this company, but I have, r- Ricky, hesitations about the state getting involved in this kind of stuff for the exact reasons that you're talking about. What made the state decide this company? And who are the players? And who – yeah, who gets to decide when the state decides this company's worth being tapped?
1: What if I'm one of their competitors – why do they get the state money and not me? Those kind of things, I think, are issues. Let me put a, let me put a, a point on it for, for your listeners to, to illuminate to them. And as, as Albert Einstein said, if you can't make it simple, you don't know it well enough. Okay. Let me make some real simple, ask some simple questions in, in this scenario around the Uni- University of Louisville. This isn't about party. All right. Now, I'm a political scientist by training, and your listeners will love this. I got my Ph.D. from the University of Kentucky.
0: You like the University of
1: Kentucky. I love the University of Kentucky. You like Eli Capaluto don't I, you? I, I like Eli Capilouto a lot. I, before I mean, you go to
0: this, I went to Eli – I saw Eli Capilouto at the U.K. game. Uh-huh. I said, I met this guy, Ricky Jones. Mm-hmm. Or I said, my friend, Ricky Jones, I heard you met him. Right. He goes – Oh, he looked at me like, how are you friends with that guy? <laughs> That's exactly – he looked at me like – he gave me a look like, how are you friends did with he, him? And I said, we're buddies. He really likes you. And he goes, well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. He, was, he was very funny. He but knows
1: my father, man, from from Alabama. So there are all kind of cl- connections. But here's what gives me pause about the University of Louisville right now and the political and business connections, Okay. The governor of the state, in the person of Matt Bevin. Who you like? Yeah, he's my boy. We're going to go out and drink after your show. <laughs> right? <laughs> you and Maddie, me. B. Me and Matt, Matt Bevin going to go out and drink after your show. So, so Matt Bevin comes in to the University of Louisville and says that the Board of Trustees is dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. Okay? All because they're having debates about things that may be going on that, that are wrong. He eviscerates that board. Now, state law says that board members individually must have due process and no political official, including the governor, can appoint an entire board by himself or herself. And he did. He wipes out that board, cuts the number of board members down from 17 to 10, and he appoints that entire board on his own. One man at one time appoints the entire board. This raises questions of political interference, right? And so the accrediting agency, SACS, puts... U of L on academic probation because it's saying the school may be suffering from political interference. The Republican legislators, this isn't an attack on Republicans. If Democrats did this, I would say the same thing. Republican legislators then go back and retroactively change the law to allow him to do it, to allow him to do what he had already done after he said, Later for your board, and literally says, We do not answer to Sachs. And now, the Supreme
0: Court said.
1: Now, I'm an academic, right. The Supreme so, Court
0: said. Bevin couldn't do it
1: right but since he they changed the law nothing the point to do yeah. So, yeah so so I and I want to rearticulate that for your listeners okay so recently I think last week or some, last week or two mm-hmm. Kentucky Supreme Court comes into this they rule and say that what the governor did was overreach it was illegal he shouldn't have been able to do it but since the the legislature changed the law and made it legal then the point was moot now if you're a professor sitting up at the University of Louisville and Papa John is on the Board of Trustees who knows nothing about higher education. But knows a lot about ingredients. Yeah, knows a lot about ingredients. <laughs> and so there's, see, so the idea is that Matt Bevan is based, our, our university now is having decisions made about an institution of higher education by businessmen and lawyers, okay? That's like me running CNN, okay? When I get off of here, whatever, I want to run the company that, that puts this podcast on. I just want to run it. KSR. Yeah, I want to run KSR. I don't know anything about <laughs> You'll it, do but as I well as but we should do. be able to run it. Now, There's the one who runs it right there, Maria. You okay. want to take it over right. for her? But now, here, here's a deeper problem with, with Louisville, okay, when people start talking about backroom deals, okay? So recently, everybody talking about sports, everybody's concerned, and I want to get to some deeper questions that I have. Well, we'll so, go to sports in just a second. But yeah, go ahead. I mean, but, but it, it's a part of it because this is my point. Who's making these deals and why? So the new athletic director at, at Louisville, the acting athletic director, a guy named Vince uh Tyray or Tyra. Yeah, I'm not let sure me tell this story pronounced. and then I want you yeah, to comment on it. This is because an amazing story. In.
0: It is amazing. It is an amazing story. Vince Tyray Yeah, was at the U of L football game where they played Murray State. No experience in higher ed. Businessman. He decided to go and visit the president's suite. Just to go visit. He literally said in the press conference he wanted to go get a beer. Yeah. He walked in. Drew Franklin, you need to get a beer like this sometime. He walked in to get a beer, and he walked out the athletic director. Yes. He said he had no intention of doing it. He literally just wanted to get a beer. And the president looked at him and said, you know, while you're here – and yeah. they start talking and end up hiring him as the athletic now, director. Now,
1: That is an amazing story. And it is, not, <laughs> not only is it a true story, okay? <laughs> so amazing. a cat just says, now remember, we've had all these problems with these boards yeah. Board of Trustees, Foundation Board. Yeah. Guess what? We don't know how they're chosen, we don't know who makes the decisions, but Vince Tyre is on the Foundation Board at the University of Louisville. Nobody knows how he got there, nobody knows anything about this guy. Okay, where, where I'm at the university. So he says, <laughs> I want to say this slowly and emphatically so your <laughs> listeners hear the words that are coming out of my mouth. So if anybody said to this man, so he, I guess he wanted to get rid of this idea that he was somehow seeking the job. Yeah, This brother was like, nah, I wasn't trying to get this job because Tom George has been put on administrative leave. He said, I did not go to the president's suite, ironically, at a football game. <laughs> okay, for a job interview he says i went for a beer <laughs> <laughs> and walks out as the athletic director are you are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. okay I, I mean it really is now, amazing. Now, now look meanwhile matt meanwhile on the academic side we have the people, these illegally appointed people on the board of trustees by Mad Matt, Matt Bevin who are trying to tamp down on faculty members who I have to fight like a dog to hire at $55,000 a year to take us a battle.
0: But doesn't that make you mad? Okay, so you, you... – Hell yeah, it makes me mad. When not it make you mad? It makes me mad, but then why don't you get mad? This is the one thing about you that I just want to understand. Why aren't you outraged by this story that Tom Jurts making $5 million? Look. Why doesn't
1: that outrage? No, 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 no. Look. If we just center on that, again, we miss the point. Okay,
0: but I want to – that's no, no, part no. of it, Here, man. No,
1: no, no. Because what you're doing, Matt, I know what you're doing. Again, you're trying to bait me. You've been doing this for years. Your people don't understand <laughs> this because, you know, we started out friendly. <laughs> <laughs> now you want to bait me. I
0: like baiting you. Because basically, we, I know, bring the best out of you. I bring
1: the best out of you. Basically, what you're, what you're trying to do is like, why aren't you mad about your boy? Right? I am asking that. You ask why? Look, I heard yesterday somebody told me, hey, you know your boy Matt Jones is getting sued. Yes. And you too, Drew. Are <laughs> oh, you getting sued? Right? And, and they were like, what you think about that? I was like, I don't know. I support Matt. And they were like, well, I didn't even tell you why he getting sued. I was like, he's my boy. So I'm not going to betray okay, him. So you're, so you're say, okay. So you're saying, okay. So I'm you're not going to betray him. like George is your boy. Look, you get sued and you probably did it. I don't know what y'all did, but I'm going to support you no
0: matter what. <laughs> can I say so- Can I say something though? All right, what? let me let me let me play <laughs> let me play Devil's Advocate. You already doing it and you ain't let me answer the question. But you're when you are criticizing rightly the governor or other people for putting their
1: boys on boards, why can't you criticize your boys? You ain't let me finish. Boys? No, I'm a, I was about to but okay, you didn't let right, me finish. go. Ahead. all right, go ahead. Let me say this slowly and this will make you happy. All right. Tom Drich makes too much money. Okay. Rick Patino makes too much money. John Calipari makes too much money.
0: At least UK, though. Is hold not on. There. Hold on.
1: No, no, no. Because this ain't a U of L UK thing. Nick Saban makes too much money. Urban Meyer makes too much money. This is this is the reality that we've set up and that we have accepted. We right now are at a moment where I think in this state. And in this country, it gives us the opportunity to re-examine our values where our children are concerned. It gives us the opportunity to re- re-examine our values about institutions of higher education that are supposed to come. They're supposed to produce more complete citizens, educated, thinking citizens. Instead, we care more about football, basketball. We care more about athletics. Now, I'm speaking from a, the position of an academic right who loves sports you do love sports. there's some of my you, co-
0: weren't you on the athletic board for a while
1: no i was never on the athletic board you were on some faculty athletic something no right? i wasn't on any faculty athletic anything oh, i've I never been on the okay. athletic board i was on an ncaa review committee okay gotcha. about uh uh you know another bad situation that we shall not speak of right now I love we these. can get we can get to that there's plenty of it, by the way so so the thing is though matt <laughs> The thing is this, what is going on in a country where we have basketball coaches and football coaches being the highest paid public employees in states? 47 of the 50 states, the highest paid state employee is a coach. Now, does that make sense? No. That That makes no sense. Okay? Now, we will pay. Look, it is a backwards system. When a basketball a pers- uh, person, a basketball coach, in in this case, in the in the in the in the person of the of the one with the swinging thing, <laughs> makes over seven million dollars a year, five million from the University of of, of, of Louisville, over two point two million from Adidas, seven million dollars a year, got a three thousand dollar a month car allowance, okay. And they'll want to pay a, a K through twelve teacher fifty grand. Right?
0: Okay. Well, you're
1: now, now, so what's going on in this country there where our priorities have shifted so much? You know, it's almost like the end of Rome, bread and circuses, where we have invested so much in entertainment you know the answer? they're willing to sacrifice. You know my our answer that and question. so I'm so I'm saying, so I'm saying this system is twisted. It's my, absolutely twisted. My answer to down. that question
0: is very simple. And you will, if if you if I can get you to come to a new Kentucky Project event sometime, you'll hear me say this.
1: But no, I'm well, serious. This is your, this your boy, you and your boy Adam Eatland. Yeah, I know you're a big fan. Yeah, I ain't got no problem with Adam. Why are you trying to make me everybody's enemy, no, man? No, no, I'm on I mean, I'm I'm here being nice to people today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you no, know, I know you are again. Yeah. But here's here's what I think happens. I think money interest, and I'm not talking party now, I'm talking the people that are the .001% of society realized at some point that through media and through social issues that you could distract people with things that they don't care about while they rob the world. Of course.
1: But I don't – You're echoing Karl Marx talking about false consciousness, diversions. Yeah, I I don't disagree. Yeah, and the re and so what I think
0: happens is they've created an an sort of echo culture where Republicans watch Fox News, Democrats watch MSNBC, and what they're learning to do is not think about issues, not think about what's happening in the world, but really they're learning to hate the other side. That's what they're learning to do, and the hope is. While these people fight over nonsense, the real stuff happens behind
1: the scenes. Oh, most definitely. But it's worse. It's even It runs even deeper than that, though, Matt. I mean, I think people have been so trained now that even if you tell them the truth, okay, they will fight you. It's like walking into a dark room with a man sitting there and somebody's feeding him worms but telling him it's spaghetti. <laughs> right? Oh, this gets worse. And so you go in, you turn on the light, and you say, hey, man. This dude is giving you worms. That ain't spaghetti. He's giving you worms. And the dude who is being fed the worms says to you, "Turn that damn light off." That's what we're facing right now. That's a good. Where'd you You hear that? But that's that's. Did you come up with that? Nah, that was told to me by uh, a drunk back in Atlanta. That ain't mine. <laughs> that came from a drunk in yeah, Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I grew up with a lot of drunks. And I'm but a dr- that's very – you know what? That's actually very uh... – B- Back in my old housing projects in in Atlanta, Georgia, man, this cat Grady Bozeman said that. He's like, man, people don't want to hear That, by the drink. way, is a great name of a drunk in a housing project in Atlanta. Grady Bozeman. Man, Grady Bozeman. Uh, Grady Bozeman is a great and sad story. I'll tell you that story one day. Okay. But but do, but you asked early. does it make me mad? Yes, man. It does. It, right. it, it, it absolutely angers me. And beyond that, you have this administration trying to take even more money from our departments. My department has returned over a quarter of a million dollars. No, not returned. Has given, has had over a quarter of a million dollars mm-hmm. taken from us in the last four years that we generated. But at, at the least University of
0: Tom Jurich's country club bar tab is
1: paid. You keep wanting to go back to Tom. <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm screwing with you. Don't worry about it. Because let me tell you something. Don't worry about it. Tom has pissed somebody off. And I don't know what he did. I don't know what's going on. I'm inclined to believe. Why not? There's some situations going on right now. I don't know if some of the people on the board of trustees, maybe it's Papa John. I don't know. Or Mama Jane. (laughs) Who knows? It could be somebody on that board that wants their boy. To be the athletic director, somebody Listen, might want one of their boys. Your to be boy athletic.
0: Tom has tried to get rid of your boy Matt for a long time. So forgive me if I don't have sympathy well, I'm, for him.
1: Well, I'm, look, I'm put, I'm put between a rock and a hard it. place, and, and we'll move on because I don't like watch him. Have. I love you. You know, it is right. what it is. All right,
0: let's switch gears for a second. I'm I, want have you, a I want to talk, I want to with
1: you two one day. <laughs> he ain't gonna be here, so we'll have to do it in yeah, You never know.
0: Uh, I want to talk to you about uh athletes for a second. You. It was interesting to me to watch the protests stuff because a lot of people say, regardless of what you think of the protests, and I'll be quite frank with you what my opinion was, I totally understand what Kaepernick and those guys are standing for and agree with a lot of their sentiment. I didn't like, although it's not for me to like, I didn't love the method they did because I thought it would distract from the issue. <laughs> but I mean, here's why I say that. Why, say, you why I say that is, I knew the first time I saw Kaepernick Neal, I knew exactly what was going to happen. I knew exactly what was going to happen. They were going to make that protest about the treatment, sort of unequal treatment of African Americans in this country. They were going to make it about the flag. I knew that was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen. It was going to be making it about veterans and war. I knew that was going to happen. And I said when it happened, I said this on the radio. Well, you don't know him yet. You need to meet Bomani. Bomani and I had a long argument about it one day. I said they're going to talk. Tur-
1: I went to Morehouse. Yeah.
0: I said they're going to make him a villain because it's distracting. By pick, I said it would be more helpful to the cause. It wasn't like a disagreement with the goals. It was the methods, right? That was my issue, and I think that's exactly what happened. But there's a point before that that you and I agree on. Which is, there's this notion that people say, why can't these dudes just stick to sports? When you hear somebody
1: say that, what's your reaction? To that? Let me go back to the, to the original thing that you said. I sat here patiently because I wanted to let you finish your, your argument. First of all, people have to remember the history of this. Mm-hmm. Initially, Kaepernick wasn't kneeling. He was sitting. Mm-hmm. He was sitting quietly. He said nothing about what was going on. Somebody and, found him. Like and, a camera and, 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 and Yeah, a, a reporter. Mm-hmm. In fact... Uh, the guy who found him used to write for the AJC. He's on for the Atlanta Journal Constitution, where I'm from, and and he's on the NFL network now. And What's so, he, name? I can't remember the cat's name, it'll come to me. Okay, I'm getting old. But he asked Cap why he was sitting, and Cap told him. Cap then talks to a teammate who is a former army ranger. Okay, the ranger, the former ranger, saying, Yeah, you know, sitting down is a problem, you know, and so he encouraged Cap, if you got to do something, kneel.
0: I didn't know that. Yeah,
1: that's that's I how, did not know that. that's where the kneeling came from. So, Cap knelt out of respect, out of, you know, some you compromise know really I did with his teammate. Okay. But now, this goes farther, though. And nobody wants to have this conversation. And now you're going to take me to down a path where your, your listeners are going to start hating me. It did not matter whether Cap sat, knelt, or laid down on the field. There were going to be people who were going to twist it. And ignore it. I agree with that. Okay. What Cap was talking about was police brutality. You know, he was talking about the continuous killing of unarmed, not just unarmed black men. Okay. But even children in this this country. And let me tell you this. And this is very, very serious because this is the one that cuts to my core. The one case that kills me, and there have been many of them, was the case of Tamir Rice. And some of your listeners. Was that may Baltimore? That, no, that was the case in Cleveland. Cleveland. Like Cleveland. And a lot of your listeners may not even know about the case of Tamir Rice. Tamir Rice was a 12 year old child playing by himself in a park. On video, police officers drove up after a call about this child. I played with toy guns when I was a child. I'm sure you did too.
0: My you mom know. wouldn't let me. Well, yes.
1: okay. You were more sheltered. These people drove up and blew Tamir Rice away within two or three seconds of arrival. Took that 12 year old child's life. We've seen case after case after case of black people being killed in this country on video. And more often than not, the white officers who killed them are let go. To add insult to injury in the Tamir Rice case, once the officers were not charged, the city of Cleveland came out and said, said, wrote this down. Like Vince Tyra saying, I just went by for a beer, being blatant about it. Not only did they say that the officers should not be charged or incarcerated or held responsible, they said Tamir Rice was responsible for his own death. Okay? So we have case after case happen, and people want to talk about the flag because they don't care about these black people, men, women, and children being murdered. That's the bottom line. Nobody cares. No, you know? Most so are you part, Hold on. And so. So. So this is the problem. It seems to me when people talk about the method used to mm-hmm. protest, you do not get to belong to a group of people who create a marginalizing system that pushes other people to the periphery. Then. Tell them I agree. whether I agree. or not they should feel oppressed in that system, and then tell, tell them, them how, they, how they should react. I, I, I want to so be clear. It, I want to be clear with you. It, though. No, I, I, I I, that's, you, not, that's not. That's not what I'm doing. Don't you personalize Matt Jones? Okay, you're a <laughs> Jones boy. <laughs> I just all saying. Right, you're a Jones boy. Matt Jones, Ricky Jones. You, my brother. No matter what, I know where you stand. I'm talking about the people who are listening. Okay. who get caught up in the noise and want to make things about the flag and and and, 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 and the national anthem. All right. And, and all these folks, including the governor here who, who, with the statue debate here, talk about where you're sanitizing history. Get out of here. I have a Ph.D. You didn't say that. Okay. I got a Ph.D. from U.K. I understand history. So if you want to have that national anthem debate, okay, let's have it. The third verse of the national anthem that is never sang says there is no refuge for the hireling or slave, right, from the terror or flight or the gloom of the grave. The national anthem was written by a guy named Francis Scott Key, who was a slaveholder, who was a supporter of the American Colonization Society, which sought to return free blacks to Africa, but keep enslaved blacks here. In America, he is the same man who used his position as U.S. Attorney for Washington D.C. to persecute white abolitionists who were trying to end slavery in this country. So, when people talk about were you disrespecting the national anthem? Not a single black athlete has staged a protest to disrespect the national anthem. But if they did, they'd be justified, right? So, these are the conversations that people don't want to have. So. All this stuff about Cap. And, of course, why not? Why not? Brandon Wheaton just got signed to play for the Tennessee Titans (laughs) this weekend. Of course, Brandon Wheaton, we know. This situation with Colin Colin Kaepernick, Drew, I'm going to sue you too. (laughs) Colin Kaepernick is not out of the league because of race. No, no, no. Brandon Wheaton is better than Colin Kaepernick. Brandon Whedon wasn't better than Colin Kaepernick when he was at Oklahoma State and, Brent, and and Colin Kaepernick was an elementary school player when he was in Pee-wee league. I mean, you you are you serious? Well, oh, there's Come no doubt. On. They've Man. sat they've there's no doubt. So that's a different s- conversation.
0: People don't want to have that conversation. First of all, I I have to tell you, when you get when you get going <laughs> like that, I feel like I'm at church and I just sit there and listen to you and it's it is mesmerizing. But it's intriguing, isn't it? It is intriguing, and in that you know what?
1: I'll be honest it's with you It's <laughs> captivating.
0: Kaepernick is clearly He's clearly paying for the, for, for the whole thing. Like, he's, he's kind of – He would end
1: up on the, on the right side of history, Matt. He would end up on the right side of history, and people should be ashamed. Don't you th- – like, but the week before Trump spoke, only eight people were
0: it – was, it was eight guys. You mean Orange 45? <laughs> we'll get to him. <laughs> Let me ask you this. If you played,
1: would you kneel? Yup. Would you? Yup. And I would have been kneeling before it became popular. Because, look, that protest is over. That protest has now been co-opted. Did you see Shannon Sharp? Yeah. I thought he was – I, I don't know what you thought. I thought he was dead on Shannon Shannon Sharp is – Shannon Sharp, I think, is the most incisive voice on television on these I, I will say, Shannon Sharp – Drew, did you see Shannon Sharp? He went for
0: like seven and a half minutes. And I thought – I remember thinking – He's a Georgia man, boy preach I didn't know you I didn't know this was you because I never heard him really
1: oh yeah he's incisive man he
0: sat there and basically went over and said you didn't do anything when this happened you didn't do anything with this happened what made you mad was Trump called you a son of a bitch. That's what made yeah. you mad. You weren't mad at this. You weren't mad. He was like, so Kaepernick and those of you that did, he was actually calling out Ray Lewis, for one. And he was basically like. And that's his boy. And that's his boy. And he basically was like, you didn't do anything when it mattered. Now it's cool and they're calling out your job. And he basically was like, spare me. I, honestly, I was like, man, I hadn't thought of it like that. because and I was
1: like, no, yeah. I'm just saying. I just I thought that was a really in, insightful But thing. I did. because did you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because look, those guys who are locking arms, kneeling, from the owners to the coaches to these players. You had to love Jerry from, Jones, doing look, it. Look, from Ray Lewis to LaShawn McCoy. Okay? Ray Lewis and Lashawn McCoy ripped Colin Kaepernick. Lashawn McCoy had the, the, the guts to say that it was a talent gall. issue, not yeah, the gall, the the, 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 the temerity to say that this was not a race issue. It was about talent. Are you serious? Colin Kaepernick better than the cat who's starting for your squad, Shady. And I, and no shade, no pun intended to Tyrod Taylor, right? But Cap can outplay Tyrod Taylor. You you got Jake Cutler. <laughs> Jake Cutler, who half the time look like he about to fall asleep. <laughs> and you gonna tell me that he's better than Colin Kaepernick? You got uh McCown so explain, up in New York with the Jets you, Are you how, serious? So how do you like come on man.
0: Let me ask you a question. So yeah. Ray Lewis. Man later for Ray Lewis. No, but but I want to take him as
1: an example. I gotta love him still. Yeah. What about why? Him? Look, man, I understand why it, I'm simul, I, I'm simultaneously angered and I have a great level of pity and offer protection for people like Ray Lewis, Clarence Thomas. Jason Whitlock you know I want to talk to you about I mean but I, I, I because I understand what the system of socialization has done to them how it has twisted their minds where they believe that they're going to get more traction in this world if they literally betray the causes of the oppressed if they if they betray humane positions I mean, so when, again, when you understand history, you understand everything cannot be based on racial lines because you have white people in history like William Lloyd Garrison and John Brown, you know, who were white men who stood for decency and, and righteousness. And then you have people like Jason Whitlock who will toss a black man into the fire to save his own bacon. And, but you understand how they were created. And you understand why they're pushed forward. So, those brothers anger me. They sadden me. But I, I pity them, and I would try my best to protect them. Do
0: you think there's so much money in sports that athletes – I mean, well, let me put it a different way. The great athletes, of of black athletes of the 60s and 70s, your, 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 your Bill Russells, right, your uh, you know, Jim Browns, et cetera. Those guys, I don't know all of them. But a lot of them were not only educated, but they took pride in social issues. Do you think there's so much money now, and these guys, a lot of them, are going just for money? That that's why you don't see it as much. Although you're starting to see it with LeBron and some other people, but why you haven't up to this point?
1: No, I think it's a, I think that's a false narrative. Okay, you know that that's just like the civil rights narrative among Black Americans that you know everybody during the civil rights era w- was really involved in the Black community. No, that's, they weren't, and, and that's not true. Yeah, you know the only sustained protest. Uh, during the Civil Rights Movement in any community was Montgomery with the Montgomery bus boycott that lasted almost a year when Martin Luther King Jr. was killed in 1968. And Martin Luther King Jr. is an an alumnus of Morehouse College, just like me. He was there after me because I'm 95 years old now. But King, when Martin Luther King died, he was disapproved of by almost 60% of black people in the country. Really? Yes. Why? Because they were afraid of him telling the truth and what that would bring. They wanted to fit in. So the same is true with most black athletes during the time of Russell and and Jabbar, you know, and and, and Jim Brown. Most of them weren't going to be on board. Same thing now. Okay, you got to understand the black athlete, Matt, when you talk about the high revenue sports. Mm -hmm. okay, this runs back to colleges, football, basketball. Ain't nobody worried about tennis or golf. Well, you know, scale, or, or field hockey. No, 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 I'm talking about at the college level. Oh, at the college level, At yes. the college level. Okay, most of these young black athletes, dude, they have unusual talents. Many of them are identified as early as middle school. And once they're identified, no later than early in high school, they are shot through a system that cultivates their bodies but numbs their minds. Okay, we see this at Louisville. We see it at other places. Most of these places are not concerned with these guys really becoming educated, thinking citizens. They're concerned with keeping them eligible.
0: We had this on the TV show today. Right. You appreciated John Calipari saying he wanted players to learn and speak about social. Yeah, I
1: mean, I think that is a great thing for Cal to do because my my point is I finished the, the last thought. When, this is what makes a LeBron James so special. This is what makes a Colin Kaepernick so special or Malcolm Jenkins. Not that they're brave enough to take a stand, but that they are thinking enough to articulate and contextualize what's going on. They've been able to come through that system with their supreme gifts, but also able to cultivate their minds. You simply cannot say that about most black athletes. Look at Cam Noon. You can't say this, but I, you can't say this, but I can. You know, Cam Noon, you you and Bomani talked about this on his, on his show. You know things have gone off the rails when Cam starts speaking on it. <laughs> I mean, Mr. Malaprop. And he's a homeboy. He's from Atlanta like me. But Cam ain't developed like that, no. dude. He's just not developed because he hasn't cared. That's not just about money. That's about the way these guys are turned. And so what Cal is, I think, trying to do, not just in this case. I think Cal has already, you know, always tried to do it but this is a moment where this particular thing is put on, on stage, I think Cal cares about the development of, of his guys' minds. Yeah. You know, I, re- I really do believe that. And so people, are, well, Cal getting paid too. Look, again, this is the system. This is the way the system is oriented right now. And that's why Cal will go to players and say, nah, even if you want to stay, it's time for you to go. Yeah. Because these people here at UMass, these people here at Memphis, these people here <laughs> they at Kentucky, they're pimping you right now. Okay, I can get $7 million a year or more, but if somebody gives you $7, then your doggone uh, uh, amateur status is gone. It's something that even Walter Byers, the first executive director of the NCAA, said was archaic. He said it was outdated, this whole idea of the student athlete and and amateurism. You agree with Matt Baiman then on that? I, look, Matt, I don't agree with Matt Bevin on anything. If Matt Bevin agrees with everything that I just said, that I'm changing my point of view. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would get him. I knew that would get it. You know, Cal looked at the, the – Is Matt Bevin saying that these black just, athletes should be paid? He didn't say black athletes. He just said athletes should be paid. Yeah, okay. Well, they should. I agree uh, with him.
0: You, well, you, you tell that story about, uh, about Cal. I don't know how many people – I mean, I, this story's gotten out, but I don't know how many people know the details, and I know a little bit about it. DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, at the end of his first year from Alabama, Mm -hmm. grew up. I know the story. I think grew up poor. I've been told. I I mean, I wasn't around his high school, but I've been told that Demarcus Cousins was made fun of as a kid Mm -hmm. for being, you know, bigger than everybody. He was chubby, not you know, not as smart as everybody, etc. And then when he was older, on the basketball court, he had a temper, and so people were always taunting him. Well he got a, had a time. I know it's that Compl- that's hard to believe. He came to Kentucky though, <laughs> and and from what this is what area, people who know him will tell you that for the first time in his life he felt like he was at a place where people cared about him. The staff, the fans, yeah. the people liked him. So when it came time for him to go to the draft, he went to Cal and said, I just don't want to leave here yet. Yeah. Like it's the first time I've felt like I have a home and I don't want to leave. And Cal basically said – No, you got to go. You got to go. He was like, you could lose tomorrow. And tomorrow you could to do something and it'd never be the same. You got to go. There ain't many coaches that would do
1: that. No. And and, and from what – out of his own mouth, I've heard Boogie talk about, talk about this. and said there were tears shed. He didn't want to leave. He didn't want to leave. So that's Cal. See, but I think Cal understands. You know, you have a, had a situation as we juxtapose this against the reality of fandom and race. I think there are players like Cal, and I'm talking about players in this grand game called life, who get it. And I think Cal is a humane human being. But Cal understands that there is a disconnect, not just between these institutions in the best interest of these these players, but also these fans in the best interest of these players. You look at a sad situation in Kansas City last week where um, Terrell Pryor, who's had his struggles with amateur status coming from Ohio State. Yeah, he was walking off the field. He was getting right. – he was walking off the field. But Terrell Pryor – and he and he flips somebody off and goes off on him, right? And people like – oh, Terrell Pryor then says people were calling him the N-word in Kansas City throughout that whole game to the point there was an NFL rep who was standing by him. And you see the guy in the tunnel who's like, no, Terrell, just move on. You know, they, fans – who feel that because they buy a ticket, they can come out and call people the most vile yeah. name in the? Well, English that's language. in
0: part the disconnect but, of the mob. But where you gets, don't they don't feel like they're? But human this gets beings.
1: deeper, though, Matt. This gets deeper, and then people will make the argument. You and I both watch a lot of sports, and you talk yeah. about Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp talked about this, and he was like, "There comes a point where this ain't about sports anymore." And Skip Bayless says, "Ah, oh, but you can't do that. You got to stay professional." Are you serious? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> Let, and somebody called me the N-word the other day when I was on a show. You were like, on Terry Miner's show. Yeah, and somebody called in during a break and, and called me Does N-word. that
0: word have – because let me tell you, I'm asking you this question because there's a lot of people who will hear you talk who would never hear somebody on this issue. Mm-hmm. So I hope you don't mind me asking. No. Does that word, when said to you like it was on the Terry Miner show, does it have an effect still or are you numb to
1: it? It wasn't said to
0: me. Okay, but let's uh, say let's it was. Are you, does it have an effect or are you numb to it?
1: No, let, let me let me put it to you like this. If a person outside of my race, to my face, called me that word, I would punch them in their face. I would drop them like a sack of potatoes, and I would stomp them until I broke every rib in their freaking chest. So that should answer your question on that. You, I, don't, I don't buy that. I ain't bothered by it. You know, words don't hurt, whatever. If you, again, have the unmitigated gall... <laughs> If you if you brave enough cuz your your listeners can't see me. I'm 62200 baby. 62200. Try calling me that to my face if you think it's cool. Let me go back to your reaction what you just said. Am I wrong?
0: Maria, she put wrong, Don't put Maria, Maria on this spot. Huh? What? Let me ask you a question. What? Are you saying in that that that's how you know you would react or are you for lack of a better term proud that that's how you would no, I'm just being honest about I it. I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. But, but would yeah, you look just, back and – because you're a brilliant dude. Would you look back and rationally go, that's how I should act about it? No,
1: no. Who, who tells me how I should act? Because somebody I'm comes – I'm asking no, what? I'm not telling no, no, you No, i know I, you're not. I know you're not. No, I, will, I, look, I wouldn't look back on it with any regret. Yeah, okay. Not right. with any regret. Not, not with any at all. My point is this, man. People say to me, Matt, you know, they'll ask me, well, why do you talk so much about race? And I'm like, you're so outspoken. Why are you so outspoken? I'm like, look, I'm really not that outspoken I only, because you know me, man, I like to play. I like to have fun. I like to be positive. Mm-hmm. I only speak to issues that need to be spoken to. So the real question isn't why do I say so much. The real issue is why do you say so little? And I think what's wrong with white America, remember, I'm not a native of Kentucky, even though there are many Kentuckians that, has been, that have been good to me. UK has been good to me. Louisville used to be good to me. But at the at the same time, man, I think a lot of people in white America are very, very comfortable with more passive, quiet black people who are willing to kind of go along to get along and will not tell them the truth, you know. And there are a lot of black people who are so fearful that they will do that and do anything to try to fit in. And I ain't that dude. Our friendship ain't based on that. No. You know, it ain't based on that. I don't feel like I gotta change the way that I talk. I don't feel like I gotta go to your country western concerts with you and wear (laughs) you know cowboy boots and and hats and pretend like I'm from I'd like you to do it. Yeah, but that ain't gonna happen. You ain't gonna put I'd go with you. Why wouldn't you go with me? Man, you ain't gonna have me out there shuffling and skinning and grinning. (laughs) (laughs) I would listen, some of that music you'd like. You'd like Sturgill Simpson, I bet you. Yeah, I like that. I like Charlie Pride. Charlie Pryde kissing angel Good morning I like Willie Nelson Because Willie Nelson Is a gangster
0: Let me ask you Are there any Politicians Because I remember You and I When you first started Mm -hmm. Obama was president And you would talk to me About ways that Obama Frustrated you Are there any People in government At all Mm -hmm. Black, white, whatever That you In Kentucky No, no Nationwide That you consider To be like A role model Or somebody
1: you really respect I like I like Bernie Sanders Okay. Like, I, I I mean I really really pushed. But what him.
0: about when he there was some talk that maybe they thought he kind of had a race problem. With, nah, a
1: nah, He had a, he had a problem connecting with race. He had a, he wasn't a racist. You know he had a problem with connecting with certain issues. But Bernie Sanders was smart enough to understand what he did not know. Yeah. And he tried to make those connections as he moved along. He was able to learn. Look, every time I talk to you, I learn something from you. Okay. I learn Kentucky geography. <laughs> I learn Sturgill Simpson songs. <laughs> because look. You can't learn anything from people that think the most like you. I now, agree. if you talk but about this state, the politician that I think is is the most progressive, gives it the most hope, but he ain't going to move beyond a position at the position that he's in, is John Yarmuth in, in, in Congress. I think John Yarmuth is an outstanding uh, human being. And you got to be an outstanding human being before you can be an outstanding politician. I mean, you just do. Uh, but but really and truly- Any
0: Republican?
1: Man, look- I'm I can't, just asking you. I can't name many Democrats. I, th- I, I think the Republican Party is problematic for me as an African American, and there aren't many mainstream Democrats, you would say. Uh uh-uh. uh I'm a, I'm a registered independent because you know Republicans will come at me with "You're a shield for the Democrats." I'm like, I hate the Democrats. I think the you Democrats do. are spineless. I I can't stand them. I think the Democrats have largely exploited the Black community. All right, I'm gonna do something. Black vote for we got granted. about
0: we got about ten minutes left. Okay, I'm gonna let you. I want you to 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 talk me through something. What's that? you and i've talked about if i were to run or whatever whatever with this mm-hmm. do you you look at me do you think i feel like i disappoint you meaning like you, you disappoint me and here's why i say oh, that man, here's okay. why i say that you think i should be do you think i should be more out outspoken about things like i project myself as this i'm one of the very few people that thinks a lot of things that you think, mm-hmm. but deals with a lot of people that think the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I can be in both rooms and be all right. Mm-hmm. Do you look and say, Matt Jones is spineless because he won't stand up or whatever? Is that, I'm just wondering.
1: No, no. I think, you, I think you're more attuned to the game. Um, I think your aspirations are different than mine. And I think you function in circles that are different than mine. What you're doing, is moving in a world where you're trying to bring all these interests together, but you're trying to bring them together around a a, a space of comfort and in, in hopes. Do you think that's possible? I, I'm getting to it. Okay. I, I think you want to bring them together in a space of comfort in hopes that there can be some transformation out of that. I think differently. One, I have no aspirations beyond what I'm doing. I understand that. You know, that's one. So I will never have to seek a single vote. Um, and two, I believe that people change through pain. You know, I think people change through confrontation, not comfort. So you
0: don't think people change uh, through knowledge or comfort, they true through no, pain no, no, no. and confrontation? No, no,
1: no. I think they do change through knowledge. This is why, even though I was called, you know, the N-word on, on this show, Terry I show, was happy. Not, my show. Uh, not on, my nah, Not on your show. No, on Terry Miner's show. And Terry was hurt by that. I want to say he that was. was hurt he by was. that. Terry's very supportive. I count Terry as a friend. But it's very important to me that those contradictions be accentuated, that it be open there. Right? So for me, I think we have developed a country, man, where people are too politically correct, where they will not speak of the truth. You know, they'll avoid that. Everything gets politic.
0: People use so, politically correct, though. They think that that's like...
1: Like, that's you. It's usually conservatives that say people are too politically correct. Well, I know. Again, that language has been colonized. But but you ask. Am I disappointed in you? No, I think you and I have different approaches to trying to create a more just, sane, knowledgeable world. But you cannot function in the same way as I do. And you don't need to. Right. I need you and people like you, and I think you need me and people like me. So if you actually decide to run for office, I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader. I will work for you. I will campaign for you for free because I think you have a vision of a different world. See, that's where I was off the bandwagon with Barack Obama. I thought people felt that Barack Obama was a transformative figure, and I did not. You never did. I I wrote a book about it. Before he was elected, go back and check it out, 2008. What's wrong with Obama Obama mania? I said right there, he's not a, a transformative figure. This guy is a traditional politician. Mm-hmm. You look at his history from Puna Howe up to Occidental, to Columbia, to Harvard. I mean, that's what he was. I think that you have the possibility. I think you have the potential to be a transformative figure in this state. If God blesses you with the opportunity to do that and you don't, then I will be disappointed.
0: I understand that. I, You tell me if I'm wrong about this. This is the centerpiece of my belief. Let me just go through it, and then you tell me if you think I'm Okay. Right. I believe that 70, and it may be more, I'm just picking a number, but that 75% of the people are at their heart good people. They may disagree. They may not see things completely the same, but they are at their heart good people. I think 75% of the people agree about 75% of the things. But the moneyed interest have caused them to fight with each other to distract about the things that are really important. Mm -hmm. And my view is the messenger is extremely important. Too much is lost based on just not liking the message. There are going to be people who turned this off just because they don't like you when they probably would have – wanted to listen had they just gotten through the first 10 minutes. But my view is if you work on the messenger, you respect the listener. You'd be surprised at the slow incremental advancements you can make. And that if you do the message wrong, you can do more harm than good.
1: Do you agree with me or not? I know where you're going with it, but I think – I think it's just more nuanced than that in some areas, and I think it's 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 more concretized than that in 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 other areas and how people are ideologically situated. I you are more hopeful than me on certain I am, things. I am. Um, are you pessimistic? No, no. I'm hopeful. I'm not as hopeful as you because. I think that we're in a place where we're so deeply immersed, not just in positions, but in individual uh, narcissism and selfishness and, and, and to some degree meanness. I think we're much more entrenched in that than a lot of people think. And I think, you think that's natural or culture no, brings no, it? no, I don't think it's natural. I think we I think the country's been socialized in this way. And I think that we've fallen short and I don't think it's just about money. OK, because when you talk about moneyed interest, you remember when people there were some people that were arguing about tax hikes on people that make over a quarter individually over a quarter million dollars a year. Only about two to three percent of the people in the country oh, <laughs> you don't know. make that much money and people didn't understand. it. So, yeah, they have been fooled. But issues around race, some of the cleavages that people are really uncomfortable talking about. It is not it is my calling. I, I firmly believe this, man. I believe that God put me here in this place at this time. I think my grandmother who raised me, my mother was 15 years old when she had me. I didn't meet my father till I was 35 years old. He could have walked up to me and spat on me and I wouldn't know who he was. My grandmother died in 2009, barely able to read. She never attended school. So whatever that woman put into rearing me and what God put into constructing me, I think God and my grandmother put me here in this place at this time to move the needle but not through conventional means. I understand what you talk about messaging and people like, but my approach is never trust a man that everybody likes. I
0: agree with because that. Because
1: usually he doesn't stand for anything. I agree with that. You know, so I'm a debater. I'm open to, to talking to anybody, you know, open to talking to anybody. But I understand that there's some people that are not going to change and some will, you know, but I'm open to talking to them. And I really do pray, Matt, that your thought, that that higher percentage of people really have good hearts across lines of race, gender, religious choice, sexual orientation, and ethnicity. I really pray that, that you're right about that percentage.
0: You know what breaks my heart? What? This is what really breaks my heart. When most people, especially on the left, but it's true wherever, think about racism. Mm -hmm. They think about usually poor people who I believe get those thoughts because they have nothing else in life life has for lack of a better term shit on them for a long time mm-hmm. and they want the feeling of well I'm better than something or I'm better than somebody a feeling they shouldn't have I'm not justifying right, it. right. I, I'm I, just I, saying I, it develops from a, a lack of opportunity confidence in themselves mm-hmm. whether it's from the region they're from their economic status etc and Again, this sounds optimistic and hopeful. My thought, my goal would be to see people understand there's, you got a lot more in common with the folks on the west end of Louisville than you do with Donald Trump. That's what drives me crazy. With that I mean, Before you skip over that, that's what drives me crazy, that you talked about Tamir Rice. Tamir Rice and the people of Appalachia, Have a lot more in common with each other than they have in common, in my opinion, with Donald Trump, and you know, pick your next rich person. That's my belief. Now, Bomani, you got to meet Bomani. You
1: guys would be sure. I mean, Bomani and
0: I have had these conversations where Bomani says you believe the most important thing is wealth or you know, is economic status. Mm -hmm. I believe it's race. I'm not saying one's more important than the other. But I do really believe that people, at their core, are a lot more motivated by culture and economic status than maybe you do.
1: Well, I, I, I think I would, I would, I would land closer to Bomani, but I'll say it in a different way. Okay. I think you, once again, are not incorrect, but you're incomplete. There's certainly. Strands of racism that are cultivated, reaffirmed and and accentuated along class lines where you have poor whites who are put in a, a, a socioeconomic situation where the only thing they have to hold on to is their whiteness. Yes. But people who relegate racism just to, you know, that group of white brothers and sisters, they're either being disingenuous or they're being dumb. Because if you really think that the only racism that exists is because of those type, you know that 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 class existence, then you're incredibly wrong. You you see highly professional, wealthy people in this country who have deep-seated, virulent strands of racism that you see playing out just in more sophisticated ways. So the guy who called Terry Miners' show and called me the N-word. Yeah, he's a racist, right? And he can't even see the contradiction of saying, you know, that effing N word is a racist. So you just call here and call me the N word, and I'm the racist, right? So there's there's that type of contradiction. But then you have people in the political class, the money class, who still have these incredibly negative racial sensibilities, and they do more harm. But, well, wait, I'm, you're right, but they are they're more sophisticated. They're sophisticated enough to not tell. But they are never going to use the n-word yeah. publicly they are never going to step away from the coded language that, that, that they push but those are the people to get to your aspirations about politics those are the people who are doing redistricting and reapportionment i agree those are the people who are engaging in voter suppression around this country based on race those are the people who are pushing policies and agendas and so that my are my goal is damaged. to
0: tell my goal is to help so people it's not understand relegate. my goal is to help people to help them understand that that is really the thing that that people of the working class and poor class should be rallying against, not
1: each other, but, but not but, each other. But 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 my and, and, and look, you just need to keep somebody like me around you. <laughs> that's all. I'm afraid other, cause I don't want, to gonna, stra- I want you But you're going to piss stra- them all so, off. That's the problem. You're going to hey. be my
0: Jeremiah. Right. You're going to get me. They're going to go. Did you see what Matt's friend Ricky said? And, but and I'm okay and with that. That's it. why I can't.
1: Away. That's why I can't run from from office though, Matt, because I know I have an affliction. I have a terrible habit. About telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that don't work well. Right, well, I'll tell you office, one man. thing. If being your
0: friend or Bomani's friend, or even I'll say my conservative friends, if that causes
1: me to, to, to not be able to do it, then I didn't want to do it anyway. No, nah, well, just don't break my heart, man. I, I mean, I'll tell you this right now. You, more than anybody since John Yarmuth ran for Congress in Louisville, following up Ann Northup, you give me great hope. You really do. You got to help me with the Louisville hope. fans. They hate me. Uh, well, dude, if, if you know what? <laughs> and see, this is the problem. This is the problem. They're distracted by sports. No, nah, they're, they're, people here in this state are really distracted by sports. This is a terribly uneducated state, man. And and I think people need – and look, that is not a – And not, there are people who try
0: to make it that
1: way. Uh, Matt. That's the end of it. Matt, I, I'm, I'm saying that. At, at some point, and I've lived in Kentucky now. I mean, and I'm close enough to Atlanta where I get home a lot, but I've lived in Kentucky since 1992. All right. So I ha- my daughter is a Kentuckian. My daughter was born in Louisville. She's nine years old. At some point, people in the state have got to decide what they want this state to look like in 20, 30, 40, 50 years for our children. OK, when we're gone for our children. And and if they want to leave the state in the hands of people with the ideology of a Kim Davis or a Matt Bevin, it, it's, it's problematic. Are you religious? I believe in God. Yeah, I Christian? I'm Christian. Yeah, I'm 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 Christian. I was raised in the Church of God in Christ, you know. But I but I'm willing to partner with agnostics, atheists, Muslims, anybody else who are humane human beings. If we want, if people want to move this state forward, you better stop worrying so much about Kentucky basketball and, and, and Louisville basketball and football and all of that stuff. You need to be concerned about these schools, okay? Because you do not have thriving cities or thriving states that don't have thriving schools. So people need to pay attention to what's going on at the University of Louisville and not, you know, be so happy about the problems that it's having because you're talking about damaging your professional class across lines of race. And who among us, even if we don't have education, like my grandmother said to me, who never went to school, who said to me, I don't know what you can do with an education, but I know what you can't do without one. And she sent me to prep school in Newport, Rhode Island, she sent me to the Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland, to Morehouse College, and then to the University of Kentucky, right? We should all have those aspirations for our children because the more educated people are, and I, I know we're coming up to the end. Higher ed really ain't about basketball or football, right? It's really not about that. We're supposed to create a thinking citizenry. And now this is a knock. Do you really think a thinking citizenry? would have elected Donald Trump? That's a serious question. Do you really think a thinking citizenry would have elected Matt Bevan? They would not have. And, and you know, that ain't about your party affiliation, man. So like I say to you, whether you be Democrat, Republican, independent, whatever, you, Matt Jones, Matthew Harper Jones. I don't care what your party is. If I invest my hopes and dreams in you to be a servant of the people, I don't care what your party affiliation is. And you get out there and you start screwing it up. You start doing things that are detrimental to the people you're supposed to serve. I don't give a damn what your party is. I will turn on you (laughs) like a (laughs) rabbit dog. And I will say I loved him once. And now I will deliver him to the hands of the people to set in judgment on him because he's not trying to build a place that's going to move us into the future. That's the way I feel. I Love Ricky Jones.
0: I love Thank you, too, man. man. You're a Jones boy. Appreciate it. Hey, bro. All right.
1: There you go. Long hey, time coming. I don't, I'd be really that.
0: interested. I wish we could find out how many started and how many ended, but that was great. And
1: I appreciate you doing it. We'll no see doubt. See you later. All right. Peace. Send and